0: Welcome to
1: the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the El Dorado Performing
0: Arts Center. Good morning. morning. Nia, good morning. Good morning. Hey, we're super glad you're here. Welcome to Vox. And uh, just a couple of things. If you are new... Um, we are, uh, we are five weeks old. This is our fifth service, third open to the public. Yep, 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 yep. So there is, there is a team. If you see the people with the shirts on, uh, those people have been working and giving money and praying and they got here at eight this morning to set up and to take care of your kids. So if you want to say thank you to them, they are a remarkable crew. Um, oh, look at, oh, oh, we're just, we're clapping. We're in a clapping mood today. I like that. Let's I I say we clap for everything today. Let's just do, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Another thing, if you're new, you go to our website, www.voxoc.com. There's a little place where you can uh, give us your information or if you are like, you want to kill some trees, we have a paper card that you can use to give us your information. And uh, what we do with that is we sell, it to, uh, we sell it to advertisers, and that helps kind of support the ministry. So I'm kidding. We don't do that at all. What we do instead is add you to our email list, because every now and again, there'll be some curveballs coming our way. Um, like, for instance, we're supposed to have two gyms for children. We have one gym, and you know, it's just, I mean, it's crazy. Some, there's there's going to be a Beauty and the Beast play this summer, and there'll be a whole set up here that I get to use. And... Uh, and I won't tell you. I may I make bell or beast. I'm not sure yet how I'm gonna <laughs> present myself. So, um, so that that gets you there. We also have something called a New to Vox Dinner. dinner. Uh, our June one is filled up. Our July one is open, and that is at uh, our house, my wife and I's house. And it just tells you a little bit more about what the heck this turns out to be. Um, and then one last thing: we've got to pray this morning for Orlando. Uh, it's, been a, it's been a heavy couple of days. We, one of our core team uh, couples um, lost their daughter yesterday, uh, or no, Friday night, um, and we heard the news yesterday, and so our hearts are heavy for that, and then we woke up this morning to hear about the shooting in um, Orlando, and if you don't know anything about it, it's, it was at a gay club uh, called the Pulse Room, I think it was, um, 50 people killed. 53 injured. It was a hostage situation for a while. Worst mass shooting in U.S. history. The the speculation is um, inspired by ISIS and targeting the gay community is the speculation that's out there now. So we, as a community, just feel the weight of that, right? Uh, And and then multiply those tragedies by however many people are here and all the stuff you're going through. And then you realize there's a reason why people get together Sunday morning. It's not just because we don't have anything better to do, but we just need to be reminded that all of this crap doesn't have the last word over the world. There's something else cooking. And, and that, God, that God, even though what some preachers will say today about this, uh, that God grieves, that God loves, that God draws close, um, that God is no respecter, of um i mean every every single human being is made in his image and so that that there is a sense that the religious communities of the world are to pour out grace and love and support and prayer and blessing in a situation like this so i figure we should pray about it if you're not the praying type awesome keep your eyes open watch how it's done it's because i'm a pray I'm a, I'm a master i have a Ph.D. It's prayer harder and more direct. No, I don't know. That's just some cheesy thing. I have no idea what it is. Uh, but I figure we'd pray for that. So um, if you're the praying type, join me in that. If you're not the praying type, just look around at this great room. All right? So Lord, God, we are so tired of the shootings and the hate and the animosity and the politics we grow so stinking weary of the darkness in this world that just seems to be growing. It doesn't seem like it's getting better. And we also recognize the fear that comes in response. And so that the rhetoric will be increasing for people to protect themselves or to nod or to whatever. And God, we as, as human persons made in your image, we cry out to you today um, to resist and to war against, to redeem, to draw close to those families that are grieving and suffering today, to protect uh, the gay community from this sort of thing, to, to help the church, the, the followers of Jesus, reflect his beauty and majesty in these moments. And, and Father, we just pray very simply. Um, Because we know there will come a day when you will simply rid the world of all of its evil. Uh, And so the church for centuries has been saying, come quickly, come quickly. And and so we we pray that again. God, um, we yearn for you in these moments to put a stop to it all. And we realize, Lord, you will bring good out of this, but you're not the author of it. And so help us to reflect you well. Help us to be people of hope and resurrection in a world that is Good Friday on steroids, in a world that just is dark. And so, God, would you allow us this morning just to be reminded of the hope we have, that all is not lost and that evil does not have the last word. To that end, Lord, we sing, we pray, we listen, we speak, we ask your blessing in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. All right, now, um, some of you are here and you are church kind of folk, welcome. Some of you are here and you're not church kind of folk, more welcome to you. Um, And you have full permission to do or to not do anything. If you want to sleep, my wife sleeps every time I open my mouth. Uh, As a young teacher, I kid you not, I would practice my little talks before I would give them, and with 100% accuracy, she would fall asleep every single time within 10 minutes. So you're falling asleep does not intimidate me. Now I may, if you fall asleep in the in the like front rows, I may come over Debbie and just say good morning. You know, I mean I'm not, that's a hypothetical. Uh, but if if we're singing and you just want to sit there like this, great. Uh, some of some of us will be standing up because we're fans of Jesus, and so you'll see people acting like they're at a ball game or at a rock concert. They'll be raising their arms and they'll be singing and. Don't mind them, they're, they're nice, they're harmless. Um, the rest of you are more than welcome to do or to not do whatever you'd like, all right? So with that, we're gonna dive in to the scriptures this morning. If you have a Bible, great. If not, we'll put everything up on the screen so you could follow along. We uh, began last week, and, and, and we're looking at the, at the names that Jesus was called, the insults that were levied at Jesus. And the reason we are, is because it's an interesting way to get a feel for what he was like. Our conviction is that Jesus is a lot more interesting than we've been led to believe. Jesus is a lot more interesting than often the American church presents him as being. Jesus is a lot more interesting than certainly Christianity's portrayed him. Jesus got into trouble with all the religious people of his day, and it was the sinners who loved him, and we just find it ironic that that's flipped that 2,000 years later, you know, it's the religious people who claim him as their own, and all the folks, you know, who the religious establishment deem outcast or marginalized, those are the folks that are very suspicious of him. And so we just wanna work a bit to rectify that. And and it's fascinating, people ask me sometimes, hey, why why do you actually trust this, like, 2,000-year-old book? And it's a series of books, so it's like a library. One of the reasons I actually give it some validity is because it includes all of this embarrassing stuff. If you're making up a religion, you don't include how clueless the founders are. Okay? How dumb, like Peter denying Jesus three times. You don't, you don't include like the, the earliest followers of the Messiah being told by the Messiah, are you guys so slow? And you don't include all of the accusations leveled against Jesus. So last week, we saw, if you were here, that because of his the questionable circumstances around his birth, Christians say, well, that that proves the virgin birth. But something was funky about his birth, because he was tagged with the label Mamzer, which meant bastard. It was an illegitimate child. That's one of the reasons, perhaps, he never married. There, I'm sure, are others. But Mamzers typically didn't... (laughs) Get married in that culture. That was something that, a tag that stuck on you that carried a pretty significant scandal with you. And so the scandals kind of give us a back, kind of a back door into what people thought of what Jesus was doing. The fact that people accuse him of blasphemy kind of reveals that he was actually claiming a bit more than just being a good prophet or teacher. And today, the fact that he was called a lawbreaker, it has some pretty implications. So if you're a Judas Priest fan, Anybody? Breaking the law, anybody? Okay, I just want to hear that. Just Matt, just one time, one time. Some of the kids in here have no idea what we're talking about. Was Judas Priest, isn't that the guy that denied Jesus? No, that's a heavy metal band, kids from the 80s. All right, Bruce, with fear and trembling. So here's some accusations. This is, so the insult we're looking at is Jesus is a lawbreaker, which is so funny, right? Right? because people talk about him as like the founder of one of the world religions. It turns out he wasn't starting a new religion, he was doing something else entirely. But (laughs) it's ironic, isn't it, don't you think? Because the guy who we look to as the guy who was doing rules was called by his contemporary, someone who was a rule breaker. Breaking the load, breaking the load. (laughs) Okay. So Mark 7, some, some of you are thinking, it, this is a church, right? This is, we walked into a religious establishment. So this is one example of an accusation, the Pharisees. Now, oh, before we even get to the accusations, I forgot one point. Okay, there's a group of people called the Pharisees. We talk about the Pharisees all the time, because they were the main opponents of Jesus. But, and the, and the funny part is, they were most like him. These were people who were incredibly religious And I have to, in order to understand why Jesus gets into so much trouble, you have to understand how they approached things. So, Israel was an occupied country in the first century, correct? Who lived there? Who, who, besides the Jewish folks, who occupied them? Romans, Romans, yes. And did the Jews of the day love the Romans? (laughs) They did not. That was the big theological crisis. If we're God's chosen people, how can this pagan lawless nation be ruling over us. And as we've talked about, for some people, the answer was militarily. we got a revolt. But for other groups of Jews in the first century, their answer was spiritual. We need to be more righteous. It's a spiritual problem. Top of the list of people who believe that are a group called Pharisees. Their name means separated ones. And what they did is they thought if they were more righteously devout, God would rescue them from Rome so they took the 613 commandments of the old testament and then they added thousands of others so for instance they were they did something called building a fence around the law so let's say let's say you know you've heard of the 10 commandments let's say there was an 11th thou shall not touch the black music stand okay No matter how beautiful it looks, thou shall not touch the black music stand. Now, that's pretty clear, correct? But what the Pharisees would do is say, okay, let's add another rule that says you cannot get within two feet of the black music stand. And then let's add another rule that says you cannot look at the black music stand. Now, those two other rules... Are called the fences around the first rule, which is don't touch the music stand. Correct. I'm, this is an example. There, you can touch it. I just wanted to make sure you guys knew. Are are, are you with me? Okay. This section I can see, and you're yesing. Those people back there, I think they're taking me up on the offer of sleep. Look at him, Debbie. Now, what the Pharisees taught. Is that the command, do not touch, one of the big ten commandments, was equal to the fences they drew. So, do not touch was of equal authority as, don't get within two feet of it. When Jesus shows up, the laws he breaks are the fences. But to the Pharisees, the fences carried the same weight as the originals. And Jesus was going, no, 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 no. So, so with that in mind, here we go. Bruce, so the Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who'd come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and they saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. And all the moms said, that's awful. (laughs) Unwashing there doesn't have anything to do with germs. It has everything to do with ritual purity. So one of the fences the Pharisees added were a bunch of hand washings you had to do in order to eat in a way that honored God. Jesus ignored that fence. Next slide. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law said, why don't your disciples live according to what? The tradition of the elders. That was the record of all of the fences that they built. And there were thousands of these. Why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? Do you see the accusation implicit there? The accusation is you're breaking the law, breaking the law. Give me something, Matt. Next slide. So this is another one. The Pharisees and teachers of the law complained to the disciples of Jesus. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? You... To be clean ceremonially meant you never ate with people who were unclean. And prostitutes and sinners and tax collectors were unclean. So what's he doing there? Breaking breaking. the last (laughs) years. Next slide. They said to Jesus, this is another one. Hey, John's disciples, this is John the baptizer. John's disciples often fast and pray. So do the disciples of the Pharisees. But you go on eating and drinking. That's why I'm a disciple of Jesus and not John. Let me just put that right there. (laughs) But what the fence was, see, the law in the Old Testament said you had to fast one day a year. Two, depending on how you were counting. The Pharisees fasted twice a week. So that was the fence. Jesus didn't play by it, and so he was accused of? Okay, lame. Next. Next. Now, this was a huge accusation. Some of the Pharisees asked Jesus, why are you doing what is what? Unlawful on the Sabbath. The Sabbath command, this is one of the Big Ten for real, do no work on the Sabbath, honor it, and rest. The rabbis added 39 different categories of things you couldn't do on the Sabbath. And Jesus just broke those fences all over the place. In fact, this was such a oppressing. Uh, criticism of his, he had to say, and Matthew, he had to respond to it by saying this, do not think I've come to abolish the law. I've actually come to fulfill it. Now, if you're wondering, hey, this is awesome. I was wondering about fences and washing hands. I was really curious about that today. If you're wondering why this matters, it's one of the ways that Jesus reveals how beautiful he turns out to be when you see him do this in action. So, if, if you have a scripture, turn, uh, if you would, to Mark chapter three. We're just gonna look at a couple of instances of Jesus breaking the law. Mark chapter three. There are four biographies of Jesus Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they all have different, they're written to different audiences, and so they have different emphases. Mark chapter 3, now this is so great. Okay, so one, one, the big Sabbath command, do no work on the Sabbath, keep honor it and keep it holy. One of the fences, the Pharisees, built around that command was you shall not heal anybody on the Sabbath unless their life is in danger. Okay? Healing on the Sabbath for someone whose life was not in danger was considered working, So if their healing could wait till the next day, wait till the next day, all right? That was the, seriously, that was one of the fences. So here comes meek and mild Jesus. Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a withered hand, a shriveled hand was there. Now, in the first century, I know this will shock you, they believed that a physical deformity was the result of sin in your life or sin in the life of your parents. And that the the deformity was God's punishment for that sin. There was a very famous king in the Old Testament who reached inappropriately for the crown of Israel and God gave him a withered hand. So the tradition was anyone who had a withered, deformed hand had been reaching for something that wasn't theirs, trying to steal it. So this man is sitting in a synagogue. All the religious people have rendered their judgment, which is, man's a sinner. How do we know? Because his hand's withered. If he were righteous, he wouldn't have a deformity. Okay, so that's the scenario. Notice. A man with a shriveled hand was there. Some... Of the religious leaders were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus of? (laughs) Matt! They were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if they would, if if Jesus would heal the man on the Sabbath. Now, was having a shriveled hand uh, a life-threatening emergency? No, he'd lived with it for a long time. So could the healing wait... Yes! So Jesus, meek and mild, Jesus said to the man, so a synagogue, 100 people, men on one side, women on the other, you know everybody, he says to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. Now this is Jesus picking a fight, right? This is Jesus saying, hey, I'm not going to do this in a closet. I'm not going to do this after the service. I'm not going to do this tomorrow. I'm going to do this right in front of everybody. Oh. You're thinking, hey, is this the guy that speaks every week? (laughs) Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus said to the religious leaders, which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? So he's bringing the question back to what the law really is. Which is lawful to do on the Sabbath? To do good or to do evil? To save life or to kill? In other words, let's boil down your 39 categories. Which is lawful, good or bad? Healing, destroying. Notice, the religious leaders remained silent. Jesus looked around at them in what? In anger. There aren't many times Jesus gets ticked off. He does, by my count, four times. And they're always at religious people, always. And he looked at them in anger, distressed at their stubborn hearts, and he said to the man, in front of everybody, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, his hand was completely restored, and then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians, a political party, about how they might kill Jesus. Irony, right? What was prohibited on the Sabbath, healing the guy, but evidently the Pharisees were cool with plotting to murder somebody. That was okay. Now, what do you see about Jesus in this instance that's so beautiful? Jesus got angry whenever adherence to the rules trumped mercy. This human tradition that had grown up, that insisted God would be displeased, if you healed somebody on the wrong day, Jesus just absolutely had no patience for her. Another example, go to Matthew. Another one of the biographies of Jesus. Go to Matthew chapter 8. You guys okay? Okay, so we get this out of the way first so you can enjoy the rest of the service. <laughs> All right, Matthew chapter 8. Verse 1, Jesus had just given this very famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. And as soon as that's over, notice chapter 8, verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy shows up. Now, let's talk about leprosy. Leprosy was also a catch-all word for all kinds of skin diseases. So it could have been literal leprosy or it could have been some other skin disease. But here's, here's, let's talk about leprosy. Let's say it was that, because we have instances of, of Jesus healing lepers in other instances. Leprosy, I don't know if you know, is, is a disease that withers your nerve endings, so that you don't feel pain, so that, let's say, you scrape the bottom of your foot, you have no idea you've scraped it, it gets infected, a gangrene sets in, and Just at some point, it smells, and you go, oh, I see that my foot now is infected. I mean, you become this bleeding and oozing kind of mess. I mean, it was horrific, just the disease itself. But the stigma attached to it was just as bad. As a leper, in the first century, you had to live outside the boundaries of the towns and the villages with people of your own kind. So they were called leper colonies, We still have those today in certain places of the world. As a leper, if you came within 100 feet of people who were clean, you had to declare yourself by saying, unclean, unclean, so that everybody would run. No one would touch you because they thought if they touch you, they become unclean, and they might contract. Not only ritual, ceremonial uncleanliness But the disease itself you never touch lepers And a leper would be put to death if a leper touched anybody else, okay? So a guy like this shows up and You can imagine the crowd parts pretty quickly, correct? So this is this this is the scene Jesus came down from the mountainside. Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me what? Clean. Now, clean is is bigger than healed. Healed means he doesn't have leprosy anymore. Clean means he can now go back to his family. He can now go to the temple. He can now participate in communal life. Clean is a huge category. And notice the humility of his request. Jesus, I've heard amazing things. If you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, I don't know how you picture God. I kind of picture God this way. I have to ask many times, and I have to kind of, like, God, if you do this, then I will. I'll never do that, or I'll, you know... I'll stay chunky for a long time just to honor you. Or, you know, I'll shave my head because I could grow it out fully, but I don't because I took a vow. Baldness. Um, I always felt like God had to be overpromised. I always felt like God had to be kind of wooed. And, And it's so funny. So this leper comes and falls down in front of Jesus and says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then this is one of my favorite verses in all of the Bible Jesus reached out his hand, and what? And he touched the man. And then he said, I am willing, be clean. Now, we know there are other records of Jesus healing people without touching them. So he can heal people long distance. He doesn't have to touch somebody to heal somebody in the first century. So his touching the man was on purpose, would you agree? In defiance of the fence that said, do not touch people like this. He says, I love this phrase, I am willing. Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I'm willing, be clean. I don't picture God like that. I picture like I have to beg and I have to perform and I have to, no, I'm willing. Yeah, totally, totes, as my (laughs) kids would say. What's wrong with totally? Is that so hard? <laughs> but the part for our purposes that's so fascinating is he reached out and he touched the untouchable. Some of you have been declared untouchable by the church. I'm beginning to learn your stories, and you've been declared out of bounds. You've been declared unclean. And the religious impulse has always insisted that you get your act together first, and then you show up, and then you find religion. The Jesus impulse is just the reverse. Jesus is the one who touches us, and he makes us clean. It's not, he's not waiting for you to get your doubts figured out, or your act together, or your life sorted, or your addictions taken care of. See, it was thought in the first century that unclean, whenever it touches clean, infects clean. Unclean trumps, if you'll forgive the use of the word, unclean <laughs> trumps clean. That's, that's unclean. Whenever clean and unclean come into contact, unclean wins. Until a carpenter rabbi named as illegitimate and a rule breaker starts showing up and dispensing mercy outside of all the boundaries and the fences. And he touches the man and his clean wins. His clean wins. In other words, There is nobody on planet Earth who is so unclean, Jesus can't touch them and say, be clean, I am willing. His clean wins every single time. And the reason we look at cute little Jesus stories, maybe you've heard these before, maybe back in Sunday school with the flannel thing, and the, you know. The reason we look at these and then just stop is because we're a community that's really, really impressed by the beauty of this Jesus. And we believe that none of us walk in here with a big enough or good enough view of who he actually is. And so if you're here and you want to talk about evolution and, hey, let's Let's talk about LGBTQ relations and let's talk about the hypocrisy in the church or let's talk about atheism or not and let's talk about you know the Christians. Let's talk about some doctrine, baby. Let's go deep into predestination and let's, nah. Nope. If you come out of anything, here with anything, I'd want you to come out with the thing that just continues to amaze me. That his clean trumps every other unclean and that he's willing. And he's not looking for you to get religious. He's just looking for for you to be humble enough to ask for help. And so some of us come before him and just go, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And to that prayer, with 100% certainty, he will say, I am willing be clean. So we're gonna sing a little bit in response to this. Why do we sing? Music has always been seen as a way to move affection in congruity with what our minds are thinking. And so for generations, the people of God have sung songs. Some, some of the songs we sing are old. They're hundreds of years old. Some of them we made up this morning. <laughs> Kidding. And, um, but, but we do it because The people of God have always sought to refresh their imaginations, to take the words that we've been saying to each other, maybe unkindly, and put different words in our mouths. For some of us, it's the the equivalent of you're in a stadium and you're cheering. For some of us, man, we're just big fans of Jesus. And the response we give is, this is amazing. I cannot believe. touched me. I just can't believe it. And as always, if you're not into that, great. Don't be into that. We're just thrilled you're here. So let me pray, and then we'll do some singing, and then we've got a friend named Matt, who's going to share a story, and then we'll celebrate the Lord's Supper together, alright? So you made it. Worst part of the service is done now. (laughs) Matt, you and I are going to have a conversation about your lack of Participation in breaking the law. So, Lord God, I, I pray that you would remind us of how good and beautiful and majestic you are. And I pray particularly for those people who've been deemed out of bounds by the religious establishment. I, I deeply desire for you to so impress upon them your great love and your willingness to show grace and mercy in ways that the religious establishment deems out of bounds and breaking of the rules. God, we just believe you still do that. And so my prayer is that you would draw the hearts of people to you. That it's genuinely good news that in a morning where we're surrounded with bad news and horrific news, there is still something to be hopeful about. And so, would you move among us and would you receive our singing as an act of worship to you? Amen? Amen. This is my friend Matt. Matt is part of our launch team. Come up here. Look like you're excited. Okay, So, um, uh, Matt, the, the great thing is he's got his name tattooed on his shin. Just in case you ever, if, if you ever uh, want to know which Matt he is. If
1: I ever find myself knocked out in the ocean somewhere and someone finds my body. That's it. Identification.
0: Yeah, unless there was a shark. And then you can't count on that. But okay, go ahead. <laughs> Tell us your story. Just chummy. That's, yeah. right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <clears throat>
1: I was gonna write bullet points on my hand, but I am a uh, spokesperson for Sweaty Palms right now. So that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I'm just not a user, I'm the president. <laughs> not only a user, I'm a club president. <clears throat> uh, so like most people, I, uh, I grew up in the church. I was a family-going church person, and uh, I was, most of my life was spent in one form or another in a religious environment. I went to a church that uh, had a lot of glass mm. and was on global television. Mm. And uh, Irvine uh, Presbyterian. That's right. How would yeah. you know? How would yeah. you know? I'm
0: just gonna Put that up there. Up, up here. here.
1: Oh! See? Don't tell me to do that. So, and I even went to school there. Um, so I spent a large portion of my, my early life there, too. As I grew up in the church... Um, I became more involved, I was a student counselor, uh, was even able to lead a couple of Sundays here and there, but um, as I got more involved in the church, or as I like to describe it at that time, a business, um, (laughs) I figured out how things were actually done. And to say that it was the exact opposite of what I think, Jesus would have wanted it to be was an understatement. Um, Opposing views were just removed, never discussed. Merchandise was more important than, you know, member retention or growing. And, um, you know, their own books were quoted more than the Bible. The Bible became a prop, essentially. And, um, that's not to include all the other stuff like nepotism and whatnot, so...
0: <clears throat> so you were a fan Oh, big That's fan, you're big you loved fan, it? big okay. fan okay. Loved right. it, I just yeah. wanted to clarify
1: I just, you know, signed up for it And <laughs> just loved every minute of it um, The hardest part being, especially growing up in it Was uh, the youth was kind of just kicked to the side We were always an afterthought We were never really uh, Really accepted as part of the church It was more just you know, the older folks, you know, because the older folks had the money. I'm not going to be, am not going to lie and say that that's not the case. But, you know, when you're telling the church that you need to grow your youth so your church will grow and it falls on deaf ears, no pun intended, um, you know, it's, it hurts a little bit. So as the uh, youth pastors left or removed or whatever, the lessons that they taught Uh, became less and less about the Bible and You know how we can apply that in our own lives and how we can take that out Into the real world, you know, because it's one thing to sit here and listen to Somebody tell you, you know, this is what Jesus would do and then you go out there and something happens and You're like, yeah, I don't think Jesus would want me to do this right now so Um What finally made me want to leave that church aside from all the hypocrisy that I was coming across uh, was I had worked for that church in their daycare and uh, this alludes back to the whole nepotism thing. Um, The person in charge uh, fired me because they felt that I didn't smile enough. and So the kids were of course upset. I was upset. But it really bothered me that the only thing, if you had to know somebody, be related to somebody, or you had to have a certain amount of zeros at the end of your paycheck to make a difference in a church, I didn't want any part of that. Screw that. Or you had to smile more. Or you had to smile more. Right. Right. And I smile a lot, believe it or not, people.
0: I'm not sure you're showing that, but okay.
1: Well, it's it's a snaggletooth smile, so. I don't know if- <laughs> I don't know if anybody really wants to see that. So, I left the church. Um, I was maybe 17 or 18 at the time. Of course, I lied to my parents about going to church because my church, my parents, being the lifelong church-going people that they are, you know, would always expect me to go. And you can't just tell your parents, "Hey, I'm not going to church anymore," because it's not going to be a thing. It's not a conversation that old school religious people like to have because they just expect you to do it and they don't expect you to have opposing opinions or thoughts or ideas and it would have been lectured more than discussed so i lied and i decided that working and partying were going to be more important and so that's that's exactly what i did and you know it was just really hard for me to sit in a building where you guys are sitting now, and listen to somebody that I felt deep down inside had absolutely no right to tell me that, you know, God was perfect, Jesus is perfect, and you're not, without them admitting to their own problems or demons. To me, that was hard, because everybody has a problem. Everybody has their own issues that they're going through, and these guys just flat out deny that they have any of those. In <clears throat> sorry, losing my train of thought. So <sighs> with the congregations, I'll just, I'll just skip straight to the congregations. Most churches, they're not very welcoming outside of a good morning, you know, from someone who's holding the door open for you. Uh, some churches have congregations that will look at you sideways if you wear anything less than a three-piece suit, as if God awarded faith points for people who are well-dressed. And some churches will allow their congregation to believe that just going to their church and subsequently tithing 10% of your income uh, will stamp your golden ticket to heaven. And, um, you know, I I couldn't buy that because it's... it will,
0: no swearing. Yeah, sorry. Sorry. Holding we'll do it, it in. after survey.
1: So I built up walls to keep myself from being suckered and slammed again. Um, <laughs> as time went on, uh, the partying got, got more effective, and my drinking took off. Um, I would drink when I'd wake up. I would drink before work. I would drink after work. I'd drink when I got home. I'd drink before i go to bed. And then I'd drink on the weekends. Um, that was me. Lather, rinse, repeat for about seven years. Eventually, uh, I started taking pills. Uh, you started what? Taking pills. Taking pills, yes. Taking pills. Okay. From what started, a, from le- legitimate reasons, Vicodin, hydrocodone, oxy, somas, painkillers were kind of my jam. Um, on top of that, my drinking became heavier. Uh, it eventually got to a point where I could drink a whole bottle of bourbon in a night and not even really bat an eye. And I don't share this as, you know, kind of like a, hey, look at me, ha <laughs> I did it. Um, it's rather to illustrate a point. Because as I struggled to find where I stood on the Christian culture faith scale, um, <laughs> I came clean about my drinking and pill use to my mom. Mm. And we had a good conversation about it, but the overall theme was the same. You need to clean yourself up, you need to find yourself a church, and you need to start going back because that's what's going to solve everything. And just the thought of having to have everything together before going back to church uh, made my head hurt more than the bourbon, so I decided I wasn't going to do that. And it wasn't really until a couple of months before my son was born uh, that I really needed to figure out what I was doing as a person. Because it's one thing if you're just going to be do what you do because you're the only one that's affected by it, even though truthfully you're not. There's other people involved. But your thinking is you're the only one involved. Well, now I have a son coming into this world. How am I supposed to be his guiding light through all of life's ups and downs if I can't even figure out what's going on inside of me? I can't do it. And it would be reckless of me to believe that I shouldn't try to fix myself before trying to guide my son. So, um, as all great things do, depression and anxiety set in. Um, The happy-go-lucky me that I was for a long time finally faded away. And it felt for a long time like God was just poking me with a stick, like, and just watching me crumble under the weight of everything that was going on. And for a long, long time, uh, it just felt like one thing after another. And really, if it weren't for my wife, uh, it's difficult to say whether or not I could have pulled myself out of that tailspin. It, it 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 was a legit tailspin, folks. Like, pretty legit. So, eventually my wife convinced me, hey, Why don't we try going back to church? But the walls that I had built were too high. And the anger that I had inside was just too much. Like, I was just pissed at the church for doing what it had done, not only to me, but to other families, friends of mine, people that I hadn't even known that were royally screwed by the church. I just could not get past that. And so... My wife, I told her, you have been like the ocean banging on a cliff for the last 10 years trying to get me to go back to church. Not so much in the way that you're just, you know, just keep going and going, but eventually you're going to chip away. So we decided we would watch webcasts of church services instead of actually going. So it was a fair compromise, I think. I mean... Of course, I didn't have to get out of my pajamas, and I didn't have to leave the house, and no. we got our church fill. And that was actually where I was introduced to, to Mike here. Uh, oh, boy. Yeah. And so... Speaking of hypocrites. <laughs> uh, but at least you're a relatable hypocrite.
0: Yeah, that's all right. So... Does the camera really add 10 pounds? I want to know.
1: No, not at all. Okay, good.
0: No. All right. All right. No. All right. It's
1: 10 pounds of muscle. That's what I'm talking about. Okay. So, <clears throat> all of that led me to this point right now, where I am here. And, I mean,
0: my opinions of church haven't really changed. Uh, <laughs> I love it. Uh, Come on, do your opening line, bro. I, was one, I wanted your opening line. Okay. Uh, what was your opening line going to be?
1: Hi, my name is Matt, and I hate the church.
0: Yep. Yeah.
1: It's, yep. And that's, that is the honest truth. I really do. <laughs> So I mean even now my opinion is slowly
0: changing <laughs> slowly like, that's our new that's our new motto box motto it's not safe to belong it's we suck less we suck less <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Yeah Vox! <fuck>! yeah <laughs> All right we got to wrap this up Yeah
1: So <laughs> I feel like we're heading in the right direction I feel like this could be something good. I I feel like if it becomes as inclusive as, you know, we're all hoping that it will be, uh, this could be something that I wouldn't mind being a part of. (laughs) And uh, my BS detector hasn't gone off yet, so for anybody out there who's worried, mine hasn't gone off,
0: so. Yeah, but we're only like five weeks old. Yeah, we're only five weeks into it. Just give
1: it a little bit more, maybe. But I'm beginning to feel like this is exactly where I need to be right now. However, I still can't shake that feeling of waiting for the other shoe to drop.
0: Or sandal as the case may be.
1: (laughs) It's been carved in pretty deep, but for the first time in a long time, I'm cautiously optimistic about where this is going. So um, yeah, my name is Matt and I hate the church.
0: (laughs) And and if you missed that, he helps pull this off. He's part of the reason why you're sitting here.
1: I'm on the tech team. Right, Yeah.
0: so it's just the greatest thing ever. So, Matt wrote us and said, hey, can I share my story? We're like, oh, this is perfect. Because I would imagine there are many of us who have been hurt, burned, upset by uh, the stuff that's going on in the name of Jesus. And we're a bunch of screw-ups, so we're not, we're not promising anything other than we just wanna be honest about our screw-ups so when matt was offering shows i was like oh bro of course oh my goodness how great is that i'm cautiously optimistic <laughs> and i'm a part of the team it's the best i, I can do it. it's so good how's the interview process that oh, was great matt just said ah, maybe maybe you guys aren't crazy um so what we're going to do is uh in just a moment we're going to have matt lead us in communion which is just the greatest thing and, um, and so we're gonna open our service up, and we do this every week, and, but I just wanna remind you of, of what people will be doing. We have stations where there's bread and there is juice. Now, we have one gluten-free station. Instead of putting gluten-free next to gluten, we have one gluten-free station that's purely gluten-free, all right? Someone wrote us about cross-contamination in the juice. So I'm like, listen, My wife is gluten-free. I get it. So that that whole thing is gluten-free. Do you understand? Look at it as gluten-free communion, all right? Everywhere else is gluten, just to be clear. But we practice something called open communion, uh, which is the invitation that no matter who you are, what you call yourself, that Jesus would invite you to the table to take some bread, to dip it in juice as a way to open yourself up to him. No pressure, no one's keeping track of who does this or who doesn't do it. But we welcome you no matter who you are or what you've done or what you call yourself to come to the table. For generations, Christians have seen this because it was instituted by Jesus as the level playing field. The only kind of people that come up to take the bread and the cup are unworthy people. That's it. Gay people don't come up, straight people don't come up. Republicans don't come up, Democrats don't come up, rich people don't come up, poor people don't come up. Image bearers, dearly loved by God, come up, that's it. So that's an option for you. We're also gonna have um, folks that will stand near the communion stations that are available to pray for you, if we can pray for anything. We have participation boxes. Some of the folks uh, in our community generously give. So that we can be here and have the stuff that we have. And if that's one of the ways that you worship and declare worth and significance of God, then we would invite you to participate in that way. Um, Evidently, I'm going to have books on sale next week just to make Matt happy. I'll put my books out there. It's a comfort thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's a, oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, um, uh, And then uh, also, if you fill out one of our info cards, that's where those go as well. All right, so I'm going to pray. Oh, no, you're going to read. 1 Corinthians 11, do it with a smile. Said through Not through 29, let's do, um, yeah, go through 26. 26. Yeah, 26. yeah, yeah.
1: For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he, gave, when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
0: That's right. And that, and that is the centrality of our hope. That's why people gather all around the world to celebrate this Jesus. Is that this... Sacrifice This invasion of God into the world. That's what we base our security on. We don't base it on who's going to win the election. We don't base it on what our military is going to do. We don't base it on whether or not we've got ISIS contained. We don't base it on whether or not our economy is going to fall or the real estate bubble is going to burst. We don't base it on how many likes we get on Facebook or Twitter or however hearts, whatever they are. Um, we, don't, we don't base it on any other security. When you take the bread and you take the cup, you are declaring the sense of hope you are declaring this an anchor that simply says god is not finished in the world god is still at work this jesus this jesus was crucified but has risen again and this jesus is at work in the world to put things back to the way he originally intended them to be so this is the security we cling to and nothing else beyond that so lord god we open up this time to you and we pray that you would walk with us that you would meet us in this space that you would show us how beautiful you are, that you would remind us of your great love for us, that you would remind us that we don't earn or deserve our way into your kingdom. We just come because you've invited us. And God, more than anything else, uh, we need hope that uh, light overcomes darkness, clean overcomes unclean, and love conquers hate and that you've not given up on the world. And so we take the bread and we take the cup. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. So we're gonna sing, we'll close the service in a few moments, but feel free to walk around or to stay seated, whatever you'd like. All right, um, I invite you to stand. It's the only thing we'll ask you to do, except to say hi to the Hatchers um, on your way out. So a couple of thoughts. first. Uh, if you're new, grab an info card, put it in the participation box, or go on voxoc.com, fill it out. If you have feedback for us, uh, we have an email address, feedback, at voxoc.com. Uh, we have a new-to-vox dinner coming up in July. You can sign up for it on our website. Also, if you are a woman, and you can sing or play or artistic dance, that's Andy. Andy puts our bands together, so we, we love the guys. We love them. Yeah. But we love the girls better. Just, we love, we love. Uh, and then if you're in high school or college, uh, I wanna, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet all of you, but particularly if you're in high school and college, don't leave without saying hi. I want to get your email address for something, and if you don't want to give your email address, Just make one up, and I'll never know. I'll never know. I'll just say, oh, thank you. All right, so uh, as we close, I just want to pray a blessing over you. Um, This is a blessing that the high priest was to give the nation of Israel, but it's one that I do over my kids, and we we end our podcast with it, and it just seems fitting we do it here too. And so, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you, and may he give you peace in these days. Amen and amen. Say hello to somebody as you leave. Let me go first as I hustle out. Goodbye. <laughs> See you later. Woo-hoo! How about Gazelle? Thanks for listening to the Box
1: Community Podcast. Participate in the Box community at boxoc.com slash participate.